You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. Join me as I invite sexuality specialists to do our best to answer your questions about sex. Topic range from the simple through to the ridiculously complex. So long as it somehow relates to sex, it's up for grabs. Please be mindful that some topics might be great stuff for younger people to listen to, and some might not. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on related topics in Australia. Find Curious Creatures and submit your questions for us to answer at curiouscreatures.biz. That's B-I-Z. Today we're chatting with Maureen and Kath. Uh, Maureen, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, Rogers. I would describe myself as a sex educator and I also write a weekly column in the Sunday Age about sex and relationships. Wonderful. And you also uh, run the store Bliss for Women. Yes, yes. I also run a sensuality boutique for women and couples, which is online. Wonderful. And Kath, how would you introduce yourself? I would say hi. My name's Kath Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a uh, sex and relationship psychotherapist slash counsellor, educator, sometimes workshop presenter, and um, all-round compassionate and passionate about alternative sex and safety and positive sexuality. <laughs> a big welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, we'll hear more about uh, what the two of you are up to and what you've got coming up uh, at the end of the show. And so to today's question. Oh, the que- oh, such a touching question. So it reads, I hate my body. I can't stand to have it seen naked with the lights on. How am I ever meant to have sex? <sighs> so, um, yes, we feel you, listener. Um, maybe uh, perhaps, uh, Kath, we'll start with you. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that? Sure. Um, and I think, you know, even just starting with the word hate, it's such a, such a big word, isn't it, and where that comes from, and obviously around sexuality, as far as society is concerned. Um, you know, there's a lot of shame as far as our body image is concerned. And um, so so my approach, being a psychotherapist, I would look at that and the shame because we do hold it within our body and it's a body that we see more than anything, especially when it comes to sex and especially the first time we have sex with Mm. somebody else. uh, We're going to be in that state of, will they approve of me? Will they like me? Will they be revolted by me? Um, And so with that... It's about speaking to that inner lover within first and getting to know them. And so, so my suggestion around that is to... One of, one of the things you could do is actually start to look into the mirror. But start with just mm. the head only. Oh. But, I like how you're breaking it down because it's okay. such a confronting first step, isn't it? Yeah. Just like, yeah, seeing yeah. yourself in front of the mirror. But go on, go yeah. on. I like where you're going with this. And, and with that mirror looking into it, often we will look at ourselves with such a critical eye. We look to see the mistakes. We look to see how, how am I looking? Oh, my goodness, I look terrible, or whatever it is. That judgment, that criticism is there right from the word dot. Mm. So what I propose is to look and to really see this person standing in front of ourselves and just say hi mm. with soft eyes. Mm. What do you mean by soft eyes? Well, rather than that critical, hard eye, Mm. you know, that Mm. that sense of um, self-damning straight up, 
It'd be so great, wouldn't it, if you could look at yourself through that sense of right. Let's let's notice and, and uh, comment on everything that we we like or enjoy, or everything that's mm-hmm. lovely, rather than that usual voice, as you say, of everything that's critical and wrong that we don't like. Yep, absolutely. And um, for those that might be sight challenged, for instance, um, it's about there's still there can be that criticism. So again, that soft eye of that naturally mm. had a soft eye somewhere. Mm. You know? So it's like seeing what is. So what is really going on internally? What is that critic really saying? Who is that coming from? Because it's usually oppression from the outside rather than starting from the inside. So true. Um, I know sometimes um, in particularly in say some some sexual practices, you can replace vision with fingertip touch. As if you're mm-hmm. looking at yourself with fingertips, do you think this activity would work with fingertips? Beautiful. So Absolutely. look at yourself with fingertips. Absolutely, really beautiful. Um, and with that soft eye, it's like just by starting by saying hi or hello. It might even be just for thirty seconds the first time. Just with the face, just with the eyes. How much can I see and be seen in my own flesh and blood? Mm. Um, and just gauging the reaction. Mm. What are the voices in the head saying? And seeing if you can catch those voices. It's like having an awareness on the awareness. You know, mm. that critical eye that even though you might be soft and doing this as an exercise, it still might come up and say, yeah, but no one's ever going to want me. Mm. Or how can I be wanted? You know, like, oh, I'm too yeah. old, I'm too... I'm too skinny, I'm too whatever, I'm too, 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 or not enough, or whatever. So it's like starting to hear those voices consciously to then change that voice. Mm. Any tips on how you rewire that? Because mm, this sure. stuff is just so heavily patterned and conditioned. Yep. It's called practice, right? Practice, practice, <laughs> practice, practice. It's about, you know, like do it the first time and you might feel disgusted or whatever it is in the mirror, so then the next morning you get up and see if you can do it again. And see if you can find that place inside, because we actually all have it, that my sense is that, that, that it's like that unconditional love part of ourselves that we all crave and we all want, really, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and it's about finding that little voice. Mm-hmm. So allowing the big ones to come out first, park them, put them on the side, and just keep looking within. Mm-hmm. Um finding out what the inner lover really wants and craves. So start with yourself and start with um, owning that body. And, of course, I'd say get with sex-positive people out there in the world. Do your um, research. There are places around that um, will embrace and love mm. what you look like. Of course. Like. I, w- I was just wondering, uh, would you also attempt to see what you can do around analysing some of the influences that are in your life and perhaps removing them? So I know that some magazines and some television shows and some forms of media are just so narrow in their idea of who's entitled to sex. Some, Some. most, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, great points. Thank you, Kath. Uh, Maureen, what are your thoughts? I, I hate my body. I can't stand to have it seen naked with the lights on. How am I ever meant to have sex? Yes, I'd like to pick up from what Kath said about mm. daily practice of positive thought because what's attractive is actually confidence mm. and not a particular body shape. Mm. And... Constantly going, you know, if your partner says to you, oh, gosh, I love your breasts, and you go, but what about the cellulite on my thighs? 
that is in and of itself kind of a passion killer because you're constantly drawing the attention back to the things that you don't like. Mm. So with that daily practice, this mirror exercise that Kath's talking about, um, I'd like to extend that. And as she said, start with your face if you're really freaked out at looking at yourself, but try yeah. after a few days to be looking at your whole body. And right. every day pick something that you like, even mm. if it's your earlobes or your freckles, or the fingernails, and add to that list every day. Every day challenge yourself to find one more thing you like. And what this does is, it as, as Kath has explained, it desensitises you from that knee-jerk reaction that's triggered by cultural influences and low self-esteem and mm. all the things. And it starts to retrain your brain to think about yourself in a different way. And right. when you get a compliment... Say thank you. Don't jump in with the but what abouts. Mm. Just say thank you and accept it and breathe it in and let it land and try to feel it and believe it. I love what you're saying about compliments, by the way. I'm reminded also it's often a great idea if you get a compliment that's not really clear what it's about to drill down and find out why you are being complimented and it allows you to really believe and hear the compliment and get into the detail of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, please, please go on. And for the lover of somebody who's in that situation, don't just say, geez, you're hot, babe. But do say, you know, I love the soft, silky skin on your back or, um, you know, the way that your thigh curves. Actually be specific mm. so that, um, you know, the person can draw their attention to the thing that you're finding beautiful mm. and, uh, and can just train. But that practice thing is so important. It's catching yourself, jumping into one of those hamster wheels and taking a deep breath and trying to step back and love yourself. And it is a long, hard practice, practical exercise. Mm. Mm. When it comes to light, have start off in the dark if you want to, and then light one tea light candle at the very, very far end of the room. Candle light's a good one because it's very flattering. You know, you don't want to turn the fluoros on. Um, <laughs> bring that candle closer to the bed in increments, you know. Uh, yeah, do yeah. these things slowly. Yeah. Don't force yourself and say, tell yourself off and say you're pathetic and, you know, give yourself these beating up messages. Be kind yourself, love yourself, fall in love with yourself and... The rest will flow. Oh, wonderful. I just so wish I'd gotten your two bits of advice on that because, yeah, about breaking it down into the smaller steps. Mm. Um, back a long time ago, I remember when I was first asked by a therapist to stand in front of a mirror and look at myself. It was. It was too much. Mm. It was too hard. It was too crazy. It was too mm. full on. I could do it for a split second and then didn't try it again for five years. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so it's, a, so it's a practice. And, Maureen, you say it's um, long, hard work. I imagine it's also maybe I'm just reaching for the positive here, but I imagine that's also peppered with moments of success and I hope pleasure. Oh, it's long, hard, <laughs> lovely work. <laughs> as, you know, as you start to believe yourself and fall in love with yourself, it's it's it's, it's a revelation and a peeling away of skins of fear and self-loathing. Mm. And mm. you know, we all, all of us, will would benefit from falling in love with ourselves before we worry about somebody else falling in love with us. Oh, it's so true. Let that be the take home. 
Um, and what are the two, before we get on to my answer, um, what do the two of you think about um, self-pleasuring in front of the mirror or like taking that practice, uh, so you start obviously with face and move down to whole body. What about getting up cl- close and personal with your genitals? I would even suggest, um, especially for people that find it very um, scary to touch any of their genitals or even look at them deeply, um, a good way to start is that, again, using mirror work, and maybe um, sketching or drawing or painting or colouring in what your genitals look like. Um, mm. And what's interesting is that they change all the time. As soon as we move, they make different movements. So that, that can be a way of getting to know it and actually even do... It doesn't have to be automatically correct, you know, mm. different bright colours, etc. But then um, absolutely with genital play, you know, this. there's another word, um, like shyness for me is another word for shame. And um, if we're shy about our own bodies, it's usually because we feel ashamed of them. Mm. But if you give yourself permission, um, and I love to call my tell my clients this is about home play rather than homework. So you know, emphasis on the play to actually play. What you know, if I let my inner lover delight in her genitals, you know, what does she really want here? And and to actually be excited about it. So I'd say set the scene. Mm. You know, make mm. it really, you know, like Maureen mentioned, the, the soft lighting. Absolutely. Maybe a beautiful scarf or a sarong around the body so you're not completely stark naked. Yeah. Um, and like any lovemaking, often it, it doesn't necessarily start right in the genitals. So it can start with looking into another's eyes. So I'd say the mirror work, looking into your own eyes. Um, breathing into the body, start to caress the body all over. Maybe, you know, like moving up and teasing to get to the genitals. Because let's face it, our know, whole body's one big Roger it is. zone, isn't it? Is. it? It's one it big is. erection. <laughs> it's not just yeah. the genitals. But it, it's just, um, for me, I think that's a very, very powerful, powerful mm. way of seeing what it's like to really own your own sense of, of that, the sexual noises, the sexual play, discovering what we like, and specifically then masturbating in front of another person. That's a whole oh, thing. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful, I mm, love so, that. So, so you can yes. almost articulate a path there from starting with uh, looking at just your face and head in the mirror to torso to whole of body to getting more genitally focused to being self-pleasure focused right through to sharing that with a partner and witnessing a partner i love the journey that you've just outlined that's just so special and i'm reminded also um drawing here i guess from the world of kink um that a little bit of uh, body worship and a little bit of genital worship never hurt anyone mm-hmm. um uh, obviously there's no such thing as a safe thing but yes being ha- having your your body and self actually worshipped by someone else mm-hmm. oh, it undoes a lot of negativity mm-hmm. um so uh, my thoughts um on the topic are um just, just, oh, like I'm, I'm gesturing towards my heart. I just so feel for the um, pressure that the person asking this question has um, been under. And I guess my main answer is uh, just that it's not at all what your body looks like it. Uh, looks like, but it's it's how you occupy it and how you use it. Uh, like one could have what is allegedly. Um, uh, middle of the bell curve stereotypically sexy body but if you don't know how to use it and occupy it and enjoy it and uh, share it with those that you um, want to share it with then that's not so useful and so I think 
You often see this pattern, I often see this pattern when I'm working with um, couples, uh, where the initial desire and drive and passion was based around beauty. Uh, they've fallen for each other because they find each other to be beautiful. And that's fantastic for about three weeks, maybe three months, but then at some stage there you've got to replace it with actual confidence, as uh, we were saying, and skills and um, vulnerability and transparency and everything else. And at that point in time, sort of three months into a relationship, we're actually all on the same footing with each other. Uh, if those skills aren't there, then sex dies off. Uh, so um, ironically, we're all equal. Mm. At that point in time, so um, yeah, I guess that's for me very much something to do with um, how you think about yourself and just decoupling that idea that physical presentation has much or anything to do with actual sexual practice. Um, Maureen? And I, I also, just following on from that, that part of this journey is that as you do fall in love with yourself, a lot of overeating and, and sluggishness comes from the self-loathing. So mm. as you fall in love with yourself, um, often the body follows to a certain extent. You're not sitting there depressed, so you do go for a walk. You're not sitting there hating yourself, so you don't have a pizza. Um, and it's not a conscious yes. thing. So they, they can, you, know, you don't have to go, I'm going to go on a diet or I'm going to join a gym. Focus on falling in love with yourself, and, and that too often follows. Oh, I love what you say. They are so often coupled, aren't they? And uh, one wouldn't advise people to go on a journey of sexual exploration as part of a uh, diet regime. However, <laughs> they're linked. <laughs> they're linked. Um, and I guess the only other thing I wanted to say was around... Um, Look for people who have done their work, and by that I mean people who have done their own rewiring around what they find to be sexy, people who have gone over that first hurdle of getting past what they've just been shown in glossy magazines or whatever. Um, those people exist. They're amazing, and they're far more genuine, deep relationship material waiting to happen. Uh, and just, uh, yeah, don't put up with people that haven't done that work who or, or who are critical. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, fantastic. Any further thoughts on the topic that we want to throw in? Um, yeah, and, and I think it's also what's going on for more into it. It's lovely about bouncing off ideas with each other and, and that part of um, what's also just as important as falling in love is actually also standing in love. Because when we stand in it, we're able to be differentiated. We can, we, you know, because often when we do fall in love or we fall in love with other people, that becomes the merger and the merger becomes quite, you know, bound to the point where it can actually also be quite um, almost enmeshed and then we lose the sense of self. Um, and that's wonderful and orgasm often that's what, you know, the place to get to. But in everyday life, when people have fallen in love, they've got to land sometime and sometimes they can then crash, you know, after mm. that limerence phase. And so that standing in love is about, um, I can stand here, I can actually be with you but different to you. Um, we can show up our differences and what you're saying, after three weeks they're going to come up or three months or whatever. So it's about um, how to communicate. Communication, mm. communication, 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 communication. So I'd also suggest to have an agreement with your partner or partner, partners about to speak that which feels the most vulnerable. And on that signal is then for the other person to say, okay, um, this person has just asked, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling vulnerable, we need to speak. So that's the other person's cue to listen with soft eyes and soft ears. 
not try and fix, change, <laughs> but just actually there for the listening. And so therefore it gives each person an ability to speak that which feels very difficult, especially around sexuality. We know it's so loaded. And um, that's going to be one of the really big skills and tools to work with. So you want to be with somebody that's okay with being able to talk about their emotions, no matter how mm. awkward that is mm. or how it comes out so blah, 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 I can't even speak. Yeah. But just to have that allowance and that permission that the other person is going to listen can go such a long Mm. <laughs> it's such an irony that talking about sex and talking during sex is so often portrayed as something that gets in the way of sex, but it is not. That's what makes for good sex. Um, well, Maureen, some, as somebody once said, it's all right to laugh during sex, just don't point. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so great. Um, I also had the thought that as part of uh, part of the process of, of uh, progressing, there are so many forms of sex and sexual interaction that don't involve being uh, uh, naked in front of each other uh, when that's not right. So just as, as an example that comes to mind, stick a blindfold on your partner. Mm. And for the sake of that session, um, uh, that particular thing, you can, you can get rid of that dialogue in your head going, oh, what are they thinking about the way I look? What are they thinking about the way I look? What are they thinking about the way I look? And another follow-on from that, I, I, I've had customers over the years who um, there was one woman who had done a lot of self-cutting and she had mm. scars on her arms and she ended up buying some um, long black gloves which for her mm. meant she could stop thinking about that. And another woman who had very bad stretch marks, and she ended up buying a little little waist cincher. And it was just, you know, something that made her feel sexy and helped her to take her mind, you know, particularly for some women who've got scarring or women who've had, um, you know, mastectomies and surgery, it can be very confronting what they look like. And by wearing something in which they feel sexy and that maybe just glides over the things that they find confronting, that can also help them to relax, mm. particularly at the beginning until they feel more confident. Wow. Um, you know, you remind me that uh, at times in my life I've had uh, body image issues relating to my belly size and I've had a corset at various times and it's it's not a solution in itself but I just, oh, I, I really resonate with what you're saying. At particular times, that's not a bad option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. And if all else fails there, it's also about saying, hey, Look at my scar. I'm really vulnerable about it. This feels like I want to hide it from you. So instead, I'm going to say, I'm going to bring this out of the open to de-escalate my fear around it. And let's sort of see if we can talk about it. And I can tell you about the scar and where it came from and make it even part of our play. Mm. You know, so, so rather than trying to hide it or, or maybe getting to that once we feel more comfortable to then show and say, hey, look at this. Let's mm. give this a bit of love right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love it. Reprogramming. Mm. All right. That's been wonderful answers. I am so appreciative of the uh, wisdom you, you both bring uh, to this question. Thank you so much. Um, so perhaps um, Maureen, we'll start with you. If you could tell us a little more about uh, what you do and who your ideal clients are and where they can find you. Yes, okay, Roger. Well, 20 years ago, uh, and I don't think I actually mentioned my surname earlier, I'm Maureen Matthews, and 20 years ago I decided to open a sex shop for women and couples because I felt that the commercial approach to sex was so unhelpful um, and didn't foster, you know, genuine sexuality. And from that, I got offered the opportunity to write a, a Q&A relationship column in the Sunday Age, which I've been doing for 10 years. So um, 
My great pleasure is to be able to talk openly and frankly with people about sex in a way that puts them at ease, uh, doesn't trigger them, but actually helps them to relax um, and uh, also inject a little bit of humour and laughter and deflate the anxiety. And um, yes, it's the work I very much enjoy. Mm, wonderful. And where can people find Bliss? It's www.blissforwomen.com, but it's the number four, not the word four. Bliss, number four, women. Gotcha. Great. Thank you, Maureen. And Kath, a little more about yourself, who your ideal clients are and where they can find you. Sure. Um, my ideal clients are probably <laughs> anyone that, I guess, you know, I, I do see a lot of people in my practice that might be a little bit more left of centre with their sexuality, but not always, you know. Um, and, and just to check, your practice mm-hmm. is mostly counselling and therapy for singles yep. and couples, yes? And throuples and... Throuples, um, etc. Yeah, I'm poly and kink friendly. Um, I am also will see couples that maybe have come to me with trauma around their sexuality or somehow their sex isn't working, or I might have people coming to me because... Um, they just want to know more. They're having a great sex life, and I want to know more. Or to just to even speak maybe their deepest shames or, you know, think I cannot tell anyone about this kink because they're not going to like me. Or, you know, I do get clients coming to me to say, look, I'm looking for a therapist that's not going to, you know, like... Um, sort of therapise me in a way to make me wrong because I have this particular quirk around my sexuality. So, um, you know, my motto is do no harm, but also um, very much um, allow people to... Oh, oh I normalise sexuality, basically. Mm. And um, So, yes, I'm based in Melbourne. Yes. My, um, do, do you do sessions via Skype? I do indeed. I have clients from all over the world. And... Um, website is personalharmony.com.au Great. personalharmony.com.au And just quickly, Kath, uh, sex worker friendly? Absolutely. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Diverse gender GLBRTQ expressions. Great. Unicorns. Maybe not unicorns. I imagine if someone's unicorn identified, you'd be a very happy Absolutely. I just don't see many of those. Yeah. Wonderful. So, friends, you've been listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures. We run a variety of workshops on sexuality and self-development, and you can find us at curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. 